Good morning. Morning, 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 morning. Um, if you're new here, my name is Jeeves. I have the joy and privilege of overseeing the youth um, for the church. I'm married to my wonderful wife, Catherine. Uh, by the way, everyone, we're 27 weeks, which is terrifying. Um, we have the big shop today where we feel like I'm actually going to be ready to be a dad. Because currently, I can't take home the baby if it's born today, apart from in a carrier bag. So I think it's wise we go shopping today. Um, I say that lovingly updating, just because I want to express my own anxiousness, the fact that I'm having that. Um, so that has nothing to do with anything, but just so all of you can pray for us today, not only my heart is feeling like this, but I'm aware that my wallet will be feeling the shock today as well. Um, right, well, morning, everyone. We have. The next 25 years. Yeah, I agree. Leave it with the 18. Um, <laughs> good morning. Um, if you have been with us on this journey, We've been going through 1 Samuel together. Uh, we've been looking at the topic of what? Can anyone remind me what the topic of the summer series has been? The Samuel was... Matt? Persistent. Oh, he's coming power. Very good. Catherine, can you chuck me um, the Jolly Marches, please? That's one. I've asked Steve if we've got a risk assessment about me lobbing sweets at kids. And he didn't reply, so at the moment, it's on him. Um, so if it actually hits you in the head, it's not my fault. Don't blame me. Um, persistent power. And normally, when we go through preaching series, like, if you remember, we're going through Luke, we get some moments which are just great. Good, good preachers. Really helpful, easy lessons, good stories. And actually, if you looked at Samuel when you were maybe in Sunday school, you might remember the story of the calling of Samuel and probably the last one, which is the anointing of David. You probably know those two really well. So we kind of have the nice fluffy bunny rabbit preachers. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that cute? Lovely lesson, that kind of thing. What we need to make sure we don't do, beloved family, is avoid the bit more tougher parts of the stories. Yeah. Let, let me use an analogy, right? Who loves a happy meal? Mm. Everyone loves a happy meal. You love the not, we love happy meals, don't we? Yeah. Love a happy meal. Love the nuggets, love the toy, love the easy drink, what a day it is. But if you're placed with a massive T-bone steak and you're having to eat it in 20 minutes, some of us would go, that is a great evening. Some of us would go, that is too much. And it's sometimes like that. Sometimes we have Happy Meal-like verses in Bible stories, and it's like, oh, this is nice, this is lovely. Sometimes, like today, we hit a T-bone steak that we have to take bite by bite to go through. And so I hope that this morning I'm able to do this with great love, with great affection, but as we look at this story, you help me, bite by bite, go through this passage as we just understand it. And I suppose what I want to share from the beginning is my end goal. Just, just to make it clear that you know the destination of the journey from the beginning. And that is, faith has to be matched with relational persistence obedience. Faith has to be matched with relational persistent obedience. That's my destination. 
That's where I'm heading by the time I finish today. So hopefully you can see that as we go through that, that's where I'm going to. Everyone okay with that? Yes? Happy? Some people are, some people are not. Again, because you're wearing masks, you need to smile with your eyes or be audible, please. Sharon Lester, I love the smile of your eyes. Very lovely. Okay, let's start with a game. So can everyone stand up? Everyone stand up if you would like to. If you don't want to play Peter game, that's totally fine. Eddie Crane, you better stand up. <laughs> you stand up. Lisa, you better stand up. I'm telling you now. Right, anyone who is a child, i.e. Um, under the age, 11 and under the age of 11, please can you come stand in the middle? You are going to be my judges today. So Olivia, come stand in the middle for me. Come here. Juan, you are also a child, so come stand in the middle for me. I'm joking, don't worry. I kind of want you to win actually, because it helps me later. Um, so we're going to play, play a game. George, you're now an ignite. You're good. No, you, you play my boy. Um, we are going to be playing a game, a classic game of head and shoulders. Everyone's played head and shoulders before, yes? No, everyone's shaking their heads. Okay, so, similar to the song Head, Shoulders, Knees and Toes, I'm going to be announcing a body part that you need to point to. Okay? If I say the words head and shoulders, like the wonderful shampoo to conditioner two-in-one product placement I am playing today, you need to act like you're in the shower. So however you shower, like hair, you know, that kind of thing, okay? If you do not act like in a shower when I say head and shoulders, or if you do not point to the right body part when I say it, you are out. And you wonderful kids are going to be calling people out. Yes? So you are my eyes. You can say that anyone is out. And everyone, you must fall to the judgment of these wonderful judges here. Yes? So if you are out, you are out. There is no going back. I'll be happy. Yes? For those who want to opt out of the game now, you can opt out of the game now. <laughs> and you're playing. Yes, you can sit down. Yes, so if you're out... I know, hey! If you are out, you sit down. And I'm going until I've got one of the last people here, and you're going to help me later today. Okay, you ready? Only when I say head and shoulders. Okay. Head. Shoulders. Knees. Eyes. Nose. Mouth. Head. And shoulders. Why, who's out? Ooh. If you, let's be authentic as well. If you think you're out, you're out, go sit down. Kids, did you notice anyone going out? No, we didn't look. Okay, all right, fine. We're gonna, Adam's already got, I know. I played one game, I'm okay. <laughs> I played one round, I'm good. Um, right, are you ready? Head, knees, eyes, knees, eyes, knees, head, shoulders, head, shoulders, head, shoulders, head, and shoulders. Oh, Lisa, you're out. I saw that. You're out. Okay, we're gonna be going quicker. Kids, are you pointing at anyone? Are you saying that anyone's out here? You gotta look, you gotta look. You can't just stand there in the middle. You gotta look. Go up and down, go have a look, go have a look. Okay, you ready? Head, hair. Oh, sorry, I'm very trying. You can sit down, Rach. Are you, you saying you're in? I don't know, Rachel. No, you can be in. Okay, fine. It was, it was just a moment where you were like, head, hair. <laughs> um, head, knees, stomach, knees, head, eyes, nose, ears, mouth, feet, ankles, knees, head, and shoulders. Gabby. Wow, there are some talented people here. Is Ruben out? Ruben, you're out, Gabby. I like that you've been called out. Okay, are you ready? 
We're going to try and go in faster here. Oh, Claire, you're really getting into this. <laughs> Jump us off. Let's go. She wants that jolly ranch, everyone. Right, here we go. <clears throat> knees, mouth, head, shoulders, head, knees, eyes, glasses. Ooh, some of you, some of you. Head, knees, ankles, toes, knees, ankles, toes, head, shoulders, head and shoulders. I think a lot of you did get out there. Unlucky Jackie, I think you're out. <laughs> I think you're out. Um, right, kids, you get to choose who your winner is out of all these people. Otherwise, we're going to be doing this for some time. Who would you like to win? Sophia. Yeah. Well done, Sophia, you won. Well done, well done, kids. Oh, kids, do you want to go back? At the end, I'll give you a jolly rancher. Um, Sophia, you're going to help me later, okay? Happy, good. Why do we play that game? One, it's funny. Number two, because actually, what I was trying to do is, as I was speaking different things, you had to follow. Yeah. And that, that's previously how it was done in the Old Testament. God would say certain things. It was written in the Torah, certain rules and regulations and things that they had to follow, not in a way of saying, yes, my, command, my commander, that's what we have to do, but actually it was God's way of modeling what is good. But what was important is in the temple, in the priest, they were having to learn that, but they were having to enable the people that were following God, the Israelites at the time, who were worshipping Yahweh, to follow the rule that was set. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. Remember, we live in the aftermath of the cross, where by Jesus' blood, we get to enjoy full relationship with him. But at the time, previous to, these were the things I want you to do, so that actually you can model perfection, what is good, is what they had to do. That's what the Torah details. And I suppose we're introduced to these two characters at the beginning of Eli's sons. And these, these sons were part of the priesthood in the temple. They were the key, kind of the key leaders in the temple. And I'll tell you what, they've got big names. Great names. One of them is um, Hopi. Wow. Holy Spirit, isn't it? Um, one of them was called Hopi. Now, Hopi means boxer. Big name. Eli is says, given him that name in the hope that he would spar for the Lord against Israel, um, evil in Israel. Big name. A limper boxer name. Do you know what I mean? Like Hopi. The idea that this one was going to be a fighter for the living God. Another name, the other son, was known as Phineas. Phineas means mouthful bronze. It's also named after Adam's son in Numbers 25, who was someone who spoke with zeal for the Lord. And so the idea was that this son would also be someone who would preach the message of God in a strong and mighty name. I tell you what, if you want two sons that were going to have mighty, mighty name, hopefully and Phineas were pretty good. Do you know what I mean? Priests of the temple, boxer, mouthful bronze. It's kind of like WWE entrance-esque names. Here comes opening. Da, 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 like it's proper, proper big names. And so at the time when they would name their children, and I believe the same of the child that we're going to have, the name that is spoken over them is a simple prophetic word of what they're to grow into. Big names. Unfortunately, they didn't live up to those names. They were quite the opposite, actually. 
it says they were really corrupt. They were known as the sons of Bilal, who was a pagan god. Refers to a phrase for worthless and wicked men. Ooh, bit of an awkward look out there. The problem is that the sons were already in line with the high priest. They were already functioning, but it says in 1 Samuel 2 that they did not know the Lord. That's a really dangerous thing. These, these sons, high priests, working in the temple, didn't know the Lord of that temple. Didn't know the Lord. Really dangerous. And so we, we expressed in 1 Samuel 2, two main ways of how they have just basically gone completely away from the Lord. One of them is through self-satisfaction. It talks about an offering in Leviticus um, where they bring the best cuts of meat. And what it says in 1 Samuel 2 is they would do three things. One, they'll take a three-pronged fork to dig out the meat and take what they want. Don't do. Secondly, they would ask for the fat to be cut off. Fat at that time, the best bit of meat. So they were saying, actually, I want to have that meat. The third thing they would do was they would ask for the meat to be brought raw. They wouldn't cook it. And so all of that basically is to line their own pockets by selling the meat, line their own stomachs by eating the best bit, and line their own pride by saying, we want the best bit that comes out of it. We don't want to offer it to the Lord. That's what that offering would mean. Basically, you give the meat to God to say it all belongs to you. Burn it off because it belongs to the Lord. So what they're trying to do is say, actually, you know what? Let's satisfy ourselves, our pockets, our stomachs, and our pride. Dangerous. Second thing that they did was through sexual immorality. Now they, it says in it that they de deceived a whole bunch of women that was going there to basically praise God into doing acts with them. In fact, it's why when 1 Samuel 1, Eli thought Hannah was drunk because he would have seen drunk women all the time because of his sons. It's really dangerous. Like I said, I want you to take bite by bite with me because what we've got at the moment in the temple before Samuel becomes a high priest, before Samuel becomes a prophet, is a broken temple. It's a broken people. We see them playing a role where actually their role of responsibility doesn't matter to them. The problem with we've had this warning previously in Leviticus with two people, um, Nab, oh, I can't say the word, Nadab and Abihu, who were struck down for it. They were killed for actually disobeying in the temple. But these two, not seeing the warnings or seeing anything like that, doing their own thing. They had turned the God Almighty into the God Almighty. They had turned God, the you know, praiser, creator, the one who set the rules into a, nah, it's good until I'm a bad man. I, I can do this, it's alright. It don't really matter if I take me out. You know, we're good. Secret handshake and everything. Like, we're good mates here. They've turned the God Almighty into the God Almighty. I think there's a warning there for us as well. A loving warning here for us. Is God 
Omati or is he Omati? Is God glorious or is God just a man that doesn't matter what you do? Do you know what I'm saying? It's really important that when we look at our glorious Savior, what we're not doing is we're putting him in a box and making him down at our level that it's all right. But he is glorious. He is almighty. It's really important that when we read the word of God, when we come before the Lord, that we're seeing him in that way, rather than like, nah, best, best mate is absolutely fine. He'll just forgive me. Grace is not to be abused. Grace is to be enjoyed. It's a real difference between the two. Real difference between the two. Grace is not to be abused. Grace is to be enjoyed. It's a marvellous thing that we have grace. But it's not something that is a paracetamol that means that we can just cure any headaches that we have in life that we do. You get what I'm saying? Really important. Okay. In this chapter, we then also, and as we've gone through, we see the comparison to Samuel. Samuel obeying the law, obeying the Torah. Do you remember last week, um, Samuel in the temple, seeking after the Lord, same temple that Eli's sons would have been in. So you see a comparison that's going on. One, abusing the law, the other, upholding the law. One, abusing the relationship, the other, upholding the relationship. You see the difference of what's to come. We see the faithfulness that comes from Hannah and Elkanah as well. Eli blesses them in his time. I believe that actually being obedient, God blesses. I believe God blesses obedience. It's a wonderful thing. He doesn't have to, he gets to. It's, it's a great thing. But talking about Eli, what did he do at this moment? Where it says that Eli talked to his sons and tried to rebuke them after being told himself. It's a really difficult thing. Which implies that Eli saw what his sons were doing and in a sense, every reaction he did was to roll his eyes and tutter and then move on. Phineas is doing that again. What's going on here? It wasn't to the moment that he was told that he then went to rebuke his sons. The responsibility that he had, not only as a priest, but as a father, he decided to ignore and just let be. Which doesn't, I suppose, um, cause any issues when we look at when after he confronted his sons, his sons just was like, and went back to what they were doing. It, it was, it's not a surprise, is it? Do you know what I mean? Like, if all that time he hasn't really asked them or, or, or tried to challenge them or anything like that, when they're like, naughty, naughty, you shouldn't be doing that, for them to go, yeah, let's just go back and do what we want to do. I think there's importance of obedience. I think there's importance of persevering with obedience. I suppose to my older family of the church, how are we lovingly discipling our young ones? Discipling doesn't mean, oh, look at the younger generation again. Like, it, it means challenging. It means bringing in challenge and saying things that are not right. Let's not leave them be because it's easier, but let's challenge. It's really important. It's really important that actually when we look at our younger generation, we're not just going, well, it is that generation, millennials. Like, it's not, we're not doing that. What we're doing is we're saying lovingly, no, that's not okay. 
Culturally aware, not culturally defined. Culturally aware means we understand the culture they're in. Not culturally defined means we talk into it, not allow it. I want us to be a family, beloved church. And if we're a family, it means that we don't just let things be, but we tackle things head on out of love. That's what families do. If a child touches a kettle because it's hot, you don't go, oh, watch it. Do you know what I mean? You say, don't touch it. It's hot. Are we doing that with family in the church? It's wise not to do that. Out of love, I'm saying this. Out of love, I'm helping you. Not to harm you or not to restrict you, but actually so I can love you. Are you doing that with your family, with your church? Let us not be like Eli, but let's actually step in and step up to enable and encourage and disciple the next generation. Where are you with that? Okay, let's move forward. This whole family of Eli, here's the challenge. Man comes, prophesies over the family, essentially says that your family is going to be cut off. Your children are going to die before you. And then once that move forward, you have probably the most sobering moment in this whole book where um, his sons are killed, Phineas is pregnant, um, oh sorry, his sons die, Eli, at the shock of it, falls back on the chair, dies. Phineas's pregnant wife at that moment is in such grief, gives birth, and the child, she dies, and the child is named Ichabod. And the word Ichabod means the glory has departed from Israel. The glory has departed, the glory of God has departed Israel. We, we need to probably take these moments to really hear that. Name a child Ichabod. Just out there, by the way, we're not naming our child Ichabod. <laughs> and anyone who's a potential parent or going to be one, don't name your child Ichabod. It's the same as naming your child picking those on live TV. Like, it's the same as every day you see this child and what has happened, you are continuously reminded about it. It is a moment where we need to really hear the name Ichabod and learn the lessons of what they've gone through. So there's two lessons I want us to take us through. Number one, authenticity matters. Authenticity matters. Authentic relationship is very important. It's very easy to not be authentic and it's like, yeah, we're best of mates, everything is fine. This faith is kind of just cash, it doesn't really matter. I turn up on Sundays, that's what I do. Like it's, but to do that, it can easily turn into a routine rather than actually be an authentic relationship. I really struggle actually, and I think it's normal culture, but when we ask people, how are you? I'm good, but on their face, you're just like, you're not good. I love you, but it's, it's just covering stuff up. Great, everything's fine. And then going home and the mask is suddenly taken off. As a family, it's really important that we are authentic. Not only with God, who is authentic with us, but with one another. Because we want an authentic relationship with each other. 
when disunity occurs, and 1 Corinthians talks about disunity of following different visions, following different people, following different theologies. It's important that as a church, we align to the values of the church so that we can be unified. One of the values of church is discipleship, mission, empowered community. Community, one of the points under that is a sense of family. You can't be family if you fake it. You can't be. You can't be family if you fake it. Authenticity is so important for faith and so important for family. I think if Eli was more authentic with his sons, we, there might have been a difference. I don't know, there's an if and but. But like, I, I think a lesson we can learn is if Eli was authentic with his sons from the beginning, honest with his sons from the beginning, there might have been a difference. I think if his sons was authentic about their relationship with God, genuinely diving into it, we might see a difference. Let's just quickly look. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. Romans 12. With all of those loving encouragements, where are you? I want us to be a church where we love one another with brotherly affection. I want us to be a church that outdo one another in showing honour and love. Like, genuinely, imagine that. Like, imagine us being so loving with one another that we want to outdo one another's love. That would change culture. That would change culture. And loving one another is not just happy face, everything's fine. Loving one another means sometimes through tears and difficulty. But I want us to be a church that models love that is genuine. Love that is honouring and outdoing that honour and love for one another. I believe that is what biblical love can look like. I believe that's what biblical authenticity can look like. Let's continue. Second lesson. Relational faith is evidence with intentional obedience. It's really important that when we look at relationship and faith, one can say one thing, but an action could be completely something else. It's why, and we'll look at it, right, let's look at it now. It's why in James 2, James talks about faith without works is meaningless. What he's not saying is that you have to do works to be able to gain a greater, higher level of salvation or anything like that. That's not what it is, and that's often the confusion between what Paul writes in Romans and what James writes in James. But what he's saying is, faith is one thing, but actually if your actions don't follow it, it's nothing else. It's something else. Let's read it. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it, is not, um, if it does not have works, is dead. Imagine that scenario, by the way, because let's not just over-spiritualise it and get confused with the wording. Imagine that. Imagine we have someone coming into the, into the church, 
Holes in clothes, no food, haven't ate for two weeks. Cold, freezing, doesn't have a bed. They come into church and someone goes to them, I'll be praying for you, and walks away. What, what good is that? What, what, what good is, genuinely, what good is that? Oh, you know what, I hope you get all work. Please be good, see you later. Like, but that's what, that's what can happen. No, we are there as relational faith to say we want to help them grow with the living God. We want to help God provide them. Hello, I can be a vessel to do that. Do you get what I'm saying? It's really important, Sophia. This is why I need you. Please come to the front. Everyone give Sophia a round of applause. <laughs> let me describe this. It's like this. It's like saying, Sophia, I would like you to stand on that stool and I know that it's going to hold your weight. Don't do it yet. It's like us doing that and saying, I know that's going to hold Sophia's weight. I guarantee it. Great. Everyone happy about it? Very good. Sophia, go sit down. In a sense, say it, Sophia. You just need Sophia, you say it. Without actually doing it or evidence, my words can be empty. My words can be empty. It's like me saying to Sophia, hey, you fall back and I'm going to catch you. Are you happy with that? Yes. Okay, off you go. Don't, don't do that. But until the evidence and action is there, then actually the obedience of it comes in. You ready to stand on the chair? This would be a moment if you felt. Look at that. Big up, well done. Uh, take the red skittles back, please. That's all yours. Thank you very much. <laughs> Until the moment is done, words can be meaningless. I suppose, let me paint it like this. How many times have someone said something to you and said, I'll be praying for you, but actually, do you pray for you? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just a really classic Christian-like stereotype. Someone says something, oh, I've had this week, oh, I'll be praying for you. And then you don't. Something really small, but what I'm saying is, those words can be really empty without the actual obedience that comes with it. I, I, I want us to be a church where relational faith is, is upheld and it's important. That we're not just a bunch of empty words, but we're a bunch of full of faith people. It's really important. Let me land. I realize the game took me over time. Oh well. As I said, this was my end goal. Faith. Our faith in Jesus. Our assurance to say he is the only way. Has to. It's not a can be. It has to be matched with relational because we have a relational God who wants a relationship with us. Praise God we live in the aftermath of the cross because I get to have a daily, daily relationship with God. Beloved kids, you can have a relationship with God from now. You don't have to wait until you're an adult. Relationship. Persistent. Through the tough times that life provides, through the difficulty through the things that might be hard to be authentic about. 
But persevering, knowing that God persevered with me, persistent, obedience, following his way, following what he's called us to do. What has he called us to do? Matthew 28, go into the world and make disciples. Talk about Jesus. Disciple one another. Love one another. Love your enemies as much as yourself. Obedience. I think faith has to have, has to be matched with relational, persistent obedience. And I think when it's not that, we turn the God Almighty into the God Almighty. Do you understand me? You'd be happy to know that next three weeks, next week we've got Gabby Bazo preaching, which I'm so excited for. First time she's going to preach in. The week after, we've got the famous duo, um, Muck Grace. Um, if you get that joke, it's a very good joke. Um, and then last week, we've got Sophie. But we took this moment to have as a pivotal moment in the summer series, because actually it forced us to recognise and reflect, to say, where have we put God in our life? Where have we put faith in our life? Is this just another thing to kind of add to our diary, or is this a relationship that we're being persistent about and actually learning what obedience means? Mm. And it's important that we actually take stock of it, because if we don't, as I said, we turn the God Almighty into the God Almighty. just want to pray with us, because I think this is a moment where we can kind of just take stock, say, what have we done? So if you want to just shut your eyes to me, I would love that. He's so grateful for that. And if actually it's, it's a moment today to remind yourself, actually, what does your faith mean to you? If you want to put out your hands and I pray over us, please do so. Please do so. No one's looking. Beautiful thing is that it's your relationship with him, not your relationship with anyone else that matters right now. That relationship comes after we dive deeper with him. So as your hands are out, I'm just going to pray over us. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the warning of Eli's sons at Ichabod. I thank you for stories like this that are good, healthy warnings for us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would hear them and we would enjoy the relationship that you have blessed us with. God, it is a privilege that we get to live life with you. And I pray that we would be a family of great faith that has relational, persistent obedience, that is authentic with one another, authentic in love with one another, authentic in discipleship with one another, that lovingly challenges one another as family, from the oldest to the youngest. And I pray, merciful King, let your glory be seen in us, your church, as we continue to have faith, which is matched with relational, persistent obedience in you. In your holy name, amen. Amen. amen.